But that's what I try to instill in my kids, you know, respect, discipline. I want them to realize what their own talent is. Well, you cultivate it through the tools of education, number one. You know, whatever their talent is, you ed- got to get educated, you know, to the best of your ability. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This episode of the Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Sabre. This holiday season, give your family the gift of safety and you will gift yourself peace of mind. Sabre is the number one brand trusted by law enforcement and consumers worldwide. They empower generations with a deep range of personal safety product solutions designed with you in mind to keep you and your loved ones safe. Sabre offers a variety of personal safety products that include innovative features designed with you and your family's safety in mind. Parents can carry on knowing that their loved ones are safe carrying Sabre. From pepper gel to personal alarms, to many other great products that Sabre offers, make sure you go to their website at saberred.com. That's saberred.com. Not only do they have equipment to keep your family safe, if you follow them on social media, they give a lot of safety tips and they share personal stories about how using Sabre products makes them feel safe and also gives them peace of mind when they're just enjoying life. So if you're looking for the perfect holiday gift for you and your family, make sure you go to saberred.com slash holiday. They have holiday safety bundles, they have great stocking stuffers, and if you're not sure what to get your family or friends, they have a holiday gift guide that is perfect for everybody on your list. So make sure you go to saberred.com slash holiday. That's saberred.com slash holiday. What's going on, everybody? Artie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. And I have the original 88 and the Dallas Cowboys. It's none other than Hall of Fame Drew Pearson. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. Well, I'm doing okay, you know, coming off that uh, Eagle loss uh, last week. But I'm still doing okay because the team played well. And I think we got a long way to go in the season. So I think we'll be okay. I think no we'll doubt. be okay. No doubt. Yeah, we're going to be uh, talking football in a, in a minute. I like bringing good guys like yourself to talk about their father's journey. And we're also going to talk a little bit about you being a grandfather. But take me yeah. back when you found out you were going to be a dad, sir. What was going through your mind? Well, it was pretty cool because I was playing for the Cowboys at that time. And I was in training camp. And I knew the time was coming any minute. <laughs> and, uh, you know, training camp back in the day was pretty rough, pretty rigorous. You know, two a days, full equipment, hitting and everything. So if you got a chance to get away, you know, for one day, uh, you took advantage of that. But, yeah, I had to fly, leave training camp, fly home. And my wife, I'm bragging to the guys, yeah, I'm going home to get my boy. Yeah, little Drew and all this. And so I, I get there. And, of course, my wife has a girl. You know? <laughs> I got to go back and face the music. But it was a joy- joyous moment, you know, I mean, just something that you'll never forget uh, because, you know, the sacrifice your wife makes to carry that baby for nine months, you know, and then you see, you know, the product of that. And it's just a beautiful girl. My oldest daughter, Tori, we called her Tori Nicole. She's just a beautiful girl. And you know what? That was just the beginning because she turned out to be a beautiful young lady now at 49 years old and a mother. You know, and it's pretty cool how it has all evolved. But you remember that first experience for your first child when that first child was born on July 23rd, 1974. 
that's all that's a true dad right there knowing the time the date yeah. all that good stuff love it so if people know your career and know about you even after football you know you carry yourself like a champion off the field as well so talk a little bit about some of the core values you were looking to instill into your kids but also too now as a grandfather what are you trying to instill into your grandkids as well yeah you know i always tried that to try to instill some things like uh uh discipline you know my dad was all about discipline you know my mom supported that you know but my dad was a disciplinarian and guess what we didn't like that as kids but when i look back you know, I appreciated that because now I can accept discipline. You know, I can I can adhere to it and be told or criticized through discipline and go out and try to correct that criticism. And so you don't hear it again. But my dad was the one that motivated that. But that's what I try to instill in my kids, you know, respect, discipline. I want them to realize what their own talent is. OK. Everybody's not a talent. I got one son, two daughters, and one son. My son played football once in a peewee league, and I made him do that. He didn't want to do that, okay? But he drew Pearson's son. Hey, come on. Uh, but, you know, he played that one year, and he did very well. I asked him as soon as the season was over, you love it, don't you? He said, no, Dad, I'm done, okay? But you can't force him to do it because that's not where his talent uh, was. But I found out later his talent is more artistic in the music, graphic designing, what he does now, and that type. So you have to find out what that talent. And each of my other kids, my two daughters, the same thing, you know, find out what their talent is and try to cultivate that talent. Well, how do you cultivate that? Well, you cultivate it through the tools of education, number one, you know, whatever their talent is, you got to get educated, you know, to the best of your ability to know what you're doing and to perform it to the best of your ability. So that's that's number one. Then the discipline comes in. And then you have to have character. You know, you got to be a good person. You got to be loyal to whatever situation you might be in. You know, you got to have loyalty. Coach Landry was great at finding the right players, you know. And that's what I instilled in my uh, my kids. The right players and the right players, what he was looking for was four characteristics. Number one was character. Okay, you had to be a loyal and uh, a quality guy to play for Tom Landry. Okay, Roger Staubach. Okay, Bob Lilly. Character people, great athletes, but good character people. Uh, the second thing Coach Landry looked for was intelligence. You had to be smart to play for Tom Landry. Okay, his systems were very complicated, so you had to have a level of intelligence. The, th the third thing he looked for was passion. You had to love the game. You had to love meetings. You had to love practice. You had to love uh, getting criticized and trying to work in and get better and better and better. And the final thing uh, he looked for was talent. You know, if you had the other three and some talent to catch a football, he could coach you up to be a Hall of Famer. So those are the kind of things I look for in my kids or try to instill in my kids, you know, this, the character, the intelligence, the passion for whatever, whatever they're doing, whatever they love to do, do it with passion. Do it like you love it. And then the talent, you got to have talent and you find out what that talent is, cultivate that talent and make it work for you. Now you're getting me fired up. <laughs> you're getting me fired up. I just, I love, like, you need to like, you have a great merchandise store. You got to have cultivate your talent on, you got as, as part of your merchandising gear. I love that. Absolutely. Talk about something that 
you know, you we were talking about the things you were looking to instill into your kids. Let's kind of change it around. What is something that your kids have taught you about yourself or about life that maybe didn't know was there until you became a dad? Wow. That I can love that much, <laughs> that I can care that much, you know, that I can put up with a lot more <laughs> than I ever thought I could. Okay. Yep. All right. I got a 20, I got a 21 year old grandson living with me now. Okay. Wow. Trying to help him get back on the, on the right path and stuff like that. And man, that age gap, you know, there's a, there's, there's a big difference there. So, you know, you just try to uh, do what you can to uh, be on the same page with them. But, you know, you find out that, Hey, you're not as smart as you thought you were dad, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, you know, but it's okay. It's okay. Because everything's done in a loving way in yeah. a family way. You know, and we can criticize each other. We can get on each other because we know we do it out of love and we do it out of respect for each other. And uh, that's that's the main thing. That's the main thing. So great right there. And I feel a lot of things you're saying that new dads or new parents listening to this can take as a piece of as a you know piece of advice from you. But do you have a piece of advice or a dad hack you'd like to offer to new parents, especially new fathers? Enjoy the process. Enjoy the moments. Uh, get ready. Uh, it's not an easy job, especially nowadays, to raise kids, you know? It was a little easier back in the day, but now with social media and all the things they have to affect, you know, what you're trying to instill in them and people are trying to pull them away from that, you know? So expect that, but don't give up, okay? It might be times that you say, oh, man, you know? And never listen, she'll never listen, she'll never be this, but don't give up on them, Okay? Don't give up on them because you know why? They don't want you to give up, all right? They might be acting a little crazy and a little indignant and thinking they know everything, but they don't want you to stop, all right? They don't want you to stop being there for them. They don't want you to stop telling them the right thing to do and what not to do and things like that. They might act like they don't want to hear that, but if you stop, they don't want that either. Yep. So keep it on, keep it up. You know, it's the same thing with Coach Landry, you know. You know, he was like a father figure to me, you know. He's criticizing me, you know. If I made a mistake or whatever, I didn't want him to stop criticizing me, you know. I wanted him to continue that because that's the only way I know how to get better. Yep. And that's what you got to do. Your kids, you know, you got to stay on top of them. Don't do what I had to go through back in the day. My dad took the belt out, okay? Yeah. We got wolves, okay? We're chasing around the house like this, you know? <laughs> I don't know where dad got his endurance from, but he, <laughs> he stayed right with it, man. <laughs> but that's how he did it. But you don't have to do that nowadays, okay? There's other ways and effective ways to uh, get that discipline across to your kids, but don't stop. Act, they might act like they don't want to hear it no more, but you got to keep making sure they do hear it. That's what it's all about. Great advice from the Hall of Famer, Drew Pearson. Let's now we're going to talk into football. You know, before we started recording, you were just talking about like, you know, get into the Hall of Fame. It was way too long for you to get in there. I'm glad you're in there, but I felt like you should have gotten there sooner from, you know, Super Bowl victories, being inducted to the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame and just, you know, the teammates and co the iconic coach, you know, Landry and all that. What are you most proud of? As you look at your fantastic football career, I know it's a loaded question because there's so many things, but on the tip of that mountain, on, on, you know, on how high you got to the NFL platform and all the, all your successes, is there one thing that stands above the rest? 
Well, you know, making it to the pinnacle of the greatest sport of all time, the greatest Hall of Fame, you know, most prestigious. You know, all the respect to all the Hall of Fames, okay? Uh, nothing is as prestigious and hard to get into as the Pro Football Hall of Fame simply because, you know, it's the pro football. It ain't college. It ain't high school all lumped together. It's just the pro football players. And you think about how many pro football players retire every year, and then in five years they become eligible. You think of that logjam that is there. There's good quality players that will never get in. And it's a shame. I got teammates that I'm embarrassed that I'm in, that they aren't in, like a Harvey Martin, a Tutal Jones, you know, guys like that, you know. But that's the pinnacle. If you can reach that. As a kid growing up, you don't dream of Hall of Fame. You dream of being a pro athlete. Yeah, yeah I'm out in the yard playing slow, mo slow motion football, you know, yeah. in the snow. Yeah. I'm Jim Brown, you know, my brother's a New York giant trying to – tackle me and all that kind of stuff, whatever. But, you know, you don't dream of being a Hall of Fame. You just want to be that pro athlete. We had a guy in our neighborhood that played for the New York Giants named Alex Webster, number 30. He's, his nickname was Big Red. He had red hair and everything. He played for the Giants. And because he went to Rutgers University, he stayed in the area and just went back and forth, and, you know, to practice and stuff. Well, I found out where he lived in East Brunswick, New Jersey. And I would find out and walk to his house from my house about five miles and sit on the curb and wait till he came home. Just to look at him. I'm looking at him. Wow. There's a pro. That's Alex Webster. I didn't want no autograph. I didn't want no picture. You didn't do that back then. Yeah. But you ran home. You just said, I just saw Alex <laughs> Webster. Wow, I just saw a pro. And that's what you wanted to be like, you know, yeah. and, you know, those kind of moments. So you kind of try to pass those kind of moments on to other people that look up to you and you have that ability. But if as a kid growing up, dreaming of one day being a pro, I had a chance to sign with the Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Dallas Cowboys as an undrafted free agent. I think I made the right choice in selecting the Dallas Cowboys, you know, and now I'm in that environment and Coach Landry. And all these other great players. I, I played eight seasons with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. I just thought, how many great receivers play in the NFL? But you know, we'll hear about them because they don't play with a great quarterback. And then he leaves and Danny White comes in for three years. And but this is the kind of environment I had a chance to succeed in. And this is the kind of environment I tried to create for my kids all of while they're growing up and now my grandkids, an environment so they can succeed, a platform. So that they can succeed, whatever their talent might be, I want to help them get there to realize that talent. And uh, hopefully they see me and how I came through where nobody ever gave me anything, you know, and I had to do it on my own. Nobody said, Drew, you got to go practice. No, I was gone to practice already, you know, stuff like that. So you got to do that kind of stuff on your own. But I want to give them the platform to do that. And uh, hopefully I've done that. My three kids are college grads. I'm really proud of that. Two of them graduated from HBCUs, you know, historically black colleges, Hampton University and Clark University uh, in Atlanta, Hampton in Virginia. My son graduated from Loyola Marymount in <laughs> California. He's a California guy, okay? He didn't play no football, but he can skateboard like a pro. 
okay? He yeah. could flip that board and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, so you try to create a platform for them to give them the opportunity to exploit their talents uh, and have success in their lives. And then through that success, through that platform, become parents themselves and teach their kids the same thing as they come through. So, Amen. yeah. And even at your Hall of Fame speech, I love at the end when you're, you know, talking about your family and your, you know, your parents and uh, your kids, like you just see the love that you have from them. And, and, and it's, it's great when you can, you know, mix the, the sport that you love with the people you love and, and, you know, showcase that and showcase your greatness. Mm-hmm. When you're getting fitted for the jacket, you're looking at the, you know, the bust that's going to be going in Canton and all that were you kind of just like thinking back at your career and thinking about all the, you know, the the hard work, the sacrifices, the blood, sweat, and tears, the joy, the pain, all that, what kind of stood out while you were, you know, getting ready to uh, get inducted to the hall of fame? Well, you know, I'm getting fitted from a jacket, you know, with Hager, you know, they make it a big ceremony, you know, they got the wine and cheese and all this. (laughs) (laughs) You're coming, walking there and they give you, standing ovation and stuff like that. They show you a replica of the jacket you're going to get fitted for, which is really cool. Then they show you the, the lining, which is really cool. You almost want to wear it inside out because the <laughs> lining is <laughs> You know, I mean, it's just a, a great feeling. I mean, you're really going to get fitted for this gold jacket. The only bad part of that is when you leave there, you don't leave with it, you know? But you leave with that memory. And then you go to Granbury, Texas, which is out between outside of Fort Worth, Texas. That's where the guy does the bus. And I drove there and I'm thinking at first, I see it. Hmm. Uh, I don't like it, sir. He said, what's wrong? I said, the afro is not big enough. You need to make the afro a little bigger. <laughs> he said, sir, it's already 14 inches. <laughs> he said, that's the limit for the hall because you can't have an afro on the other bus yeah going through that was really cool because what he depicted with the initial mold is i could see my dad i could see my dad through here i could see my dad and i said sir you nailed it i said all this other stuff is fluff but you caught it right because you you nailed it through here the eyes the nose the mouth i could see my dad and uh man Know what I saw? He's proud of me getting this bus for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And man, my dad was in the sports, okay? You know, we had no pass, no play. You didn't pass, you ain't going to play. But he pushed us to play sports. He wanted us to do it. And he wanted one of his sons to play pro ball. I had a brother that drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, defensive back, played at Western Kentucky before he went to training camp, put his hand through a window. He went to training camp with a limp wrist, okay? He's trying to open the window, hit it, and went through. He went to training camp with a limp wrist, but this is how they did back in the day. He still fat past his physical. <laughs> you know? he was, one hand's like this, the other hand's like this, you know? And he played defensive back. He made it to the last cut. And I saw how what a disappointment uh, that was to my dad, that his son, his oldest son, you know, didn't make it to the NFL. So I that I used that as motivation. And my brother helped me out too, because he told me, you know, what I needed to look for. And one piece of advice he said, whatever shape you're in, whatever condition you're in, it's not going to be enough. It's not going to and he was so right. 
Yeah. He was so right. But I was thankful I was in the shape that I was in. Because <laughs> if I wasn't, it really would have been tough. But all those kind of things, you you know, you think about, and that's what you are. That's where you are now. Yeah. And I'm in nine different Hall of Fames. South River High School, Oklahoma, New Jersey, Texas Black Sports, all different kinds of Pop Warner football. You know, I'm yeah. in a lot of different Hall of Fames. And all the respect to those Hall of Fames, nothing gets the respect like the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's okay. almost like everybody knows who you are now. <laughs> you walk in a room and people stand up. Yeah. They recognize you. Yeah. And, you know, and this has been going on for two years now. Okay. Man, I'm saying, die. It should have been 10 years ago. I can enjoy this a lot longer. Add but a little more initials on your signature, too, with the HOF, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now you got to add that. Everybody wants that. Yeah. You know, so now we recreate, you create a new autograph for yourself. Yeah. Whatever you've been signing, you know, in the past, oh, that's old. You know, we got to have him back. You know, let's sign him up so we can have him at our card show and put the HOF on stuff now. HOF 21, I'm just saying. Hood, hood. Nice. <laughs> right. nice. And, and what an awesome, again, blending family and football and, and legacy with you seeing your dad through your bust. That That's amazing. A couple more questions before yeah. I finish off with the father, quick five. So for you, Roger Staubach, and you, great teammates, obviously great connection uh, throughout your time playing together. But it still happens today when people say Hail Mary, you got to get a, like a cool feeling, right? Because you guys were the first Hail Mary. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I raise my hand every time <laughs> I hear it. You know, they've got the elections going on now, you know, and they're going to need a Hail Mary to win that election. I raise my hand. The team I got, oh, that shot, basketball. Oh, that was a Hail Mary. Grand slam. Oh, it's a hell man. I raise my hand every time because we created that. Now I didn't I didn't name it, but I was on the end of the original Hail Mary. And you know, of course, Roger being a devout Catholic, you know, threw the ball as far as I could. I closed my eyes and I said a Hail Mary. And that's how it came about. And the next day in the Cowboys, uh, the Dallas paper, Cowboys win by a Hail Mary. And it just taken off from there. And now it's part of sports vernacular, life vernacular, charitable vernacular, religious vernacular. I mean, business vernacular. Yeah. It's in all aspects of our lives. It's just a situation where your back's to the wall. It looks like all is lost, you know. But some way, somehow, we overcome that situation. We find a way. And then we say, oh, I just caught a Hail Mary, you know. And yeah. so, you know, I'm a Baptist from New Jersey. And now I'm known for a Hail Mary. You never know where it's going to take you, man. I didn't even know where the Hail Mary was. I said, Rob, it's a Hail Mary. You know? He's like, Bro, look it up, look it up. Well, I know what it is now. You hear it everywhere. So to be even known, you know, have your career and be known for an iconic play. Yeah. You know, the Immaculate Reception, uh, uh, Franco Harris, God rest his soul, great play. The catch, Dwight Clark, you know. Yeah. Every, a lot of the plays have a name that they're associated with, but nothing resonates like the play associated with the Hail Mary. Yep. And it's for a lot of reasons, okay? Roger Starbuck, the Catholic thing, beat the bike. And, and this Hail Mary situation where you don't just throw it into a bunch of receivers and hope somebody comes down with the ball. We call the play in the huddle and broke the huddle, and you run that. The play was called Drew, what do you got? That's what the play was. 
Drew, what do you got? I said, yeah, line me up on the right side and let me run a turn in takeoff on Nate Wright because he had been biting on the counter routes. Mm -hmm. Even though he's in a prevent, you come in his area, he's going to pick you up, man. And they do it. They're so uh, uh, experienced. They do it the same way every time. What you saw on film and what they're doing in game, they're going to do it exactly that same way. So I told him, turn in takeoff. He pumped golden, hit me downfield. And uh, I caught it on my uh, elbow and my hip because I'm the original 88 and I don't drop nothing. Uh -huh. Not even a hell marriage. <laughs> no. I caught it right there and uh, back into the end zone. Touchdown Dallas. But, yeah, Roger coined it after the game. And, uh, of course, now it's everywhere. No hell doubt. Mary, baby. No hell, doubt. You're going to get hell Mary, man. You don't get that Boston off your head. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm what, old, but I can see. I know, man. One more question before we finish off with the Father Quick Five. Love them or hate them, Dallas Cowboys, whether they're good, they're bad, or indifferent, people are always, like, talking about the Cowboys. They're in the, you know, the landscape of not just sports, but just pop culture landscape. I know things are different now with social media, with 24 sports all the time. People are talking about things. But when you were playing, it must have been, like, something special to play for America's team you know, with Roger Staubach, with Landry, playing it, you know, in Dallas and all that. When you were playing, what it was like always the height, like Steelers, of course, Raiders and all that, but like Cowboys always just had their special time, right, in the sun, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, 11 years I played, we uh, never had a losing season. We made the playoff 10 of those 11 years. The year we didn't make the playoffs, we finished eight and six. We started one and four, finished strong, but couldn't get in. Uh, but of those 10 playoff appearances, I played in seven championship games. I was one game away from seven Super Bowls, man. And that's when we became America's team. It's not just the winning, but how we won, you know? You know, with the class of Tom Landry and all that, your your, your quarterback, Roger Staubach, Bob Lilly, Bob Hayes, the world's fastest human, you know, stuff like that. We had quality people like that. And it's just not that we won, it's how we won, you know? Landry, as stoic as he was, as uh, straight as he was, he was so innovative, man. I loved the doing the stuff, going in motion, coming back. I threw three touchdown passes in the NFL, you know? We're, and we, we, call, we didn't call them trick plays or flea flickers. We call them deceptives, okay? We're trying to deceive the defense, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, you come through – a system like that then you have i even forgot what you're talking about i get so fired up no no you're great no you answered it perfectly you answered it perfectly thank you very much uh we're gonna finish off with the father quick five favorite family movie maybe you know the movie you like to watch with your grandkids or just your family or coming up with the holiday season is there a favorite family movie you guys like to watch together uh thanksgiving day dallas cowboys or whoever's in town that's the family movie <laughs> i don't watch movie i ain't gonna lie sit here and lie to you you know, I don't even watch the trailers, you know, <laughs> you know, awesome. but we get together on Thanksgiving day and watch that game together, yep. you know, and uh, sometimes I'll go out to the stadium, do a little pregame, you know, signing and stuff with the fans, nice. but I'm coming home and watching that game with the family and we all get together and the big decision we got to make on Thanksgiving day is when are we going to eat the turkey? <laughs> Before the game or after the game. Never during the game. Never during the game. But no, that's, that's, that's the best time, you know. Like I said, I, I'm not a movie guy. 
and stuff like that. But to get together and knowing that everybody's into it, everybody cares, everybody's excited about it. And that's the time where the family really gels and comes together and uh, has a has a great family time. Hood, hood. So let's Good talk stuff, about man. music, though. Like, was there a band or a genre of music you couldn't wait to introduce your kids to? Um, my, I'm, I'm all over the place in music. You know, okay. I like the blues, you know, I like, I like hard rock, you know, Jimi Hendrix back in the day in college, I was beating my head on the wall too, just like, you know, <laughs> in the dorm, you know, all that head, head rocking music, you know, all stuff like that. But also like the, you know, rhythm and blues, the soul, the OJs. And, mm. uh, I, I became, you know, give me a little credit for being a little update updated i became a bruno mars fan nice. you know yeah yeah i've gotten you know into bruno man and I, I i don't know why i just like his music his lyrics and stuff like that and how he puts it together and and uh yeah the brother be bringing it so you know just stuff like that jazz i love jazz to relax yeah. serious xm you know you go on the channel what 66 watercolors you sit back you smoke a cigar and you know, that kind of calms you down, gets you ready for the next day, yeah. stuff like that. So I like to, uh, all different kinds of music. And mm -hmm. I, I think when you look at my playlists on my phone, you'll see that I represent everything. It Love represents it. everything. Love it. Yes, sir. Describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Well, we used to go to Hawaii a lot. You know, they the kids really love that, you nice. know. And uh, I'm not really much of an international guy. I don't like to travel overseas too much. Yeah. But if you're going overseas, you're still in the United States. You know, that's Hawaii. So uh, we had some great times in, uh, God bless, uh, Maui, yeah. uh, Honolulu, and stuff like that. And things that, you know, were burnt in Maui. I've been through that. I've seen those yeah. facilities and things. But. Hawaii is the place, if not maybe Florida, but I took my kids to uh, Cabo, you know, a couple of times, my two daughters, and we had a great time, you know, and, uh, but I'm a U.S. guy. guy. I got you. I used to love to go to New York, but I'm a little shaky about that now, you yeah. know, God bless New York, uh, but California, San Diego, all day long. Nice. If they don't want to go, sorry, I'm going anyway. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Get over it. <laughs> Bad couple, dog. Yeah. couple players you like to watch right now in the NFL is? Oh, wow. Uh, the big dude, uh, number 11. Oh, Michael from, Parsons. Uh, yeah. Yeah, of course, Parsons from the Cowboys. But I was thinking about the receiver from the Eagles, AJ. Oh, AJ Brown, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like him at first, you know, because <laughs> he's dominant and killing us. But then I heard his interview, and the first thing he said after the game was, I give God credit, you know? Mm. Yeah. And then he, I listened to the rest of his interview. I said, yeah, this guy understands. He, he's got it together. You know, he might be a little flamboyant and crazy like that, you know, gesturing and all that on the field, but his head is on straight. Yeah. And I uh, got a lot of respect for him. Uh Another receiver I like a lot is uh, uh, Evans, Mike Evans, yeah. down in Tampa. Yeah. No one gives him a lot of credit. But this boy is there each and every game. He makes the cup catches, he clutch catches, uh, stuff like that. Another receiver that doesn't get a lot of credit 
but is a bad man every time you go to him. Tyler Lockett with the mm. Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. I mean, this guy has run some beautiful pass routes. All right. Everybody talking about the big dude, DK, but this dude over here, Tyler, you put him in a slider out wide, the post corner rounds, the toe dance in the end zone. This brother be making some plays, okay? <laughs> I'm telling him. And then I got to cap it off with C.D. Lamb, number 88, the new 88, part yeah. of 88. I mean, this dude is balling, okay? Right. He had all pro season last year, you know, pro bowl and all that, you know, over 100 catches, over 1,000 receiving yards, and he's on his way to doing that. I'd shudder to see, see where the Cowboy passing game would be right now if C.D. wasn't performing the way he's performing. And the thing about it is the team knows, teams know he's going to get the ball. Just like in that last play against the Eagles, we went to him. Here's my coaching point. CD, when you run to that, when you run to that, when you run that route, go deep into the end zone. Because they're only going to stay, stay pretty much at the goal line or uh, one yard into the end zone. So you go deep and then you come back to the football. Yeah. And you come through those guys and you catch it in the end zone. So that would be my coaching point to him. But he's balling. And we'd be texting each other, the 88 Club, nice. me, Michael, and Dave. Yeah. Uh, and CD, CD, excuse me, CD is on the feed. But we say, CD, better not respond. <laughs> so <laughs> we kick his ass, all right? But after the game, he's back on that. Hey, guys, you know, CD, you balled. You did it. Wow, way to represent the 88 and all yeah. that. So I want him in, in that group. And you notice they're all receivers except Michael Parsons. But I respect all these guys that played the NFL game now because they don't hit, you know. Only time they hit is when they step between those lines. Yeah. You know, back in the day, we wore full pads Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Friday right through the season. We're popping in practice and stuff, you know, training camp. You know, we played preseason games. We got in condition for the physical part. But these guys, because of the way the uh, system is set up, you can't lose top players, so you hold them out. You hold them out until game time. And then they play the game like it's supposed to be played, and they do it the right way, and they don't shun. They come up and bring cat, bring, bring hits and stuff like that. They take hits. And so I got a lot of respect for the guys, the way they play it. Yeah, they make a lot of money. And guess what? They deserve every penny of it. Yeah. Every penny. Yeah. Hut, hut. Nice. Let me get some tissue, man. You got it. <laughs> nice. And lastly, top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? The top three words, he was a good man. Nice. That's all I need. Yeah. If they if they think I was and they could say that, and if they add that to my tombstone with everything else I told them to put there, my stats and everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, you need no. a big, you need a big headstone for that with all your stats. Yeah, hey, there it is right there. See it? See the bus? Yeah. That's 14 inches, brother, right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like in the hall. But, yeah, you know, he was he was a good man. That's all I need. That's well, sir, need. talking with you and just, you know, seeing how you, you know, you look at fatherhood and you approach life, I think everybody can agree that, you know, you are a good man. So, people, make sure you follow Drew on Twitter at 88DrewPearson and on Instagram at DrewPearson88HOF. And make sure you check him for Hall of Fame. And make sure you check out his website at DrewPearson.com. I can't express the gratitude chat with a legend talking with a guy who really appreciates fatherhood. Uh, you and your team were great with setting this up. I wish you and your family continued success, but again, the honor was all on this side and I appreciate your time, sir. You got it, man. You need the original number 88. Call my name. I'll be there.
<laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Be safe. Thank you, too. I want to say thank you to Sabre for sponsoring this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. They have fantastic products to keep you and your family safe. And if you're looking to get the perfect gift for everybody on your list, make sure you go to saberred.com slash holidays. They have a gift guide and it'll tell you the perfect gift for everybody on your holiday shopping list. And while you're on the internet, please go to theartoffatherhood.net, check out all the articles, the podcast, and please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcast. I'd greatly appreciate it. It helps get the word out. And I'm trying to promote great fatherhood, great stories from all walks of life. And when you subscribe, rate, and review, it helps me out big time. Thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to theartoffatherhood.net.